0: Happy Resurrection Sunday, all. Now there's an old tradition that uh, if you grew up kind of in a denominational church, you probably know on Easter Sunday, but for all the young people who, you know, we've probably let some traditions, a lot of traditions go. One of the Easter Sunday uh, kind of traditions along is uh, whenever anybody says, he is risen, risen. risen there we go, most of you know that. So on Resurrection Sunday, it's pretty common that when they say, hey, he's risen, the the comeback is, he's risen indeed. So let's try that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. God, you guys are sharp this morning. All right. Well, uh, we've been, if this is your first Sunday, super welcome. Uh, We have been journeying over the last few weeks in this uh, poem that Isaiah writes in the Old Testament. Uh, from chapter 40 to 55 is what we've been uh, kind of zeroing in on. And so if you have a Bible, open up to Isaiah 52, and that's where we're going to start today. Um, But it's a tremendous, uh, one of the greatest, most beautiful poems potentially ever written uh, is this passage we find in Isaiah. It's written 700 years before Christ. Isaiah's ministry started a Uh, around 700 BC and uh, he wrote this letter and it was a message that God wanted to give Isaiah well in advance before the people went into exile and the people uh, about 150 years later were taken into exile into Babylon and these people are now reading Isaiah's letter again they're in exile, and God is calling them to come back to Jerusalem. Hey, I'm going to do something that has never been done before, and I'm calling you back to Jerusalem. I want you to rebuild it. And so come out of Babylon and come back home so you can be my people to be a part of what I'm going about to do. And in this section, he speaks of Israel being his chosen servant, his nation that he wants to manage and operate through. But it's also, he speaks of a coming servant. It speaks of a a person that God is going to send to make things right. And so now we come to the climax of this long prophetic poem to the nation of Israel. And it's the last of what's known as the servant songs. There's four servant songs in this section. And we're focusing on the last one today. But again, this is kind of built, uh, this climax is right around Isaiah 52. And so God is making a new covenant with the people through a coming servant that Yahweh would send. Uh, and so this we're going to focus on this uh, masterful chapter. Um, it's, it's, it's so profound that it was written so many hundreds of years before the man Jesus Christ dawned humanity. And so we're going to dive in. Isaiah 52, verse 13, see my servant will prosper, he will be highly exalted, but many were amazed when they saw him, his face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human, and from his appearance one would scarcely know he was a man, he will startle many nations, kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. The servant that's going to come will be exalted, will be lifted up. However, the way he goes about it, it will be shocking to people, to kings, to the people, to the nations. Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our message, to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Isaiah's word from God gives us more details about what this servant sent by God will be like. Nothing majestic about his presence, but he was despised and rejected. But we turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. God's servant came and we didn't care. God knew that the way back was going to need a remedy that was not based upon the power or strength of mankind because that is always will break. It's broken, it's destitute. There's no way out of the condition that we find ourselves in. So God was gonna make it happen by his power and his power alone. Isaiah 54, 53, 4. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet God laid on Him the sins of us all. Seven hundred years before Christ. Dawn's humanity. Isaiah writes the words of the Lord of this coming servant that this is what he's going to be like. I'm being very clear, not mysterious or hiding my plans. But it says, all turned away, all run our own way, distracted and lured by whatever the world puts in front of us as being a viable thing to pursue. We're like sheep easily distracted, prone to wander. But yet I remember Jesus saying it's the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. Isaiah 53, 7, it says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. 700 years before Jesus comes. God's servant coming, God's servant coming is confounding to read this that his servant, his his sent servant was going to be treated this way. It doesn't make sense. It appears to be an injustice, a perversion of justice. He was stricken for the transgressions of us all, not his. And the only one that was perfect and innocent who took upon himself the due penalty for us, which is death, God establishes his justice by taking the injustice of the world onto himself and bearing that weight so that now a new kind of justice can come about on planet Earth. Isaiah 53.10. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have Many descendants he will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted and righteous, for he will bear all their sins. And I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for those same rebels. This was Yahweh's purpose that we find even spoken about in Genesis 3, that God all along had a plan to send this coming servant to right what is wrong. And this was Yahweh's purpose in and through it all, that the servant will be vindicated, that his death will actually go on, that he could have many descendants, that something will be birthed through his death. And what God's saying is, when this happens, my new covenant is established through this blood sacrifice of my own suffering servant. It's powerful. It's powerful, especially when we look back and see how perfectly Jesus Christ was indeed God's spoken ahead of time suffering servant even to the finest detail. Jesus is God's suffering servant who has now been made king over everything all power and authority belong to him. And the poem ends in chapter 53 with or 55 in a kind of a double invitation that now that I've kind of fully revealed who this suffering servant is that I'm going to send He says this, Isaiah 55, 1, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that gives you no strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and I will tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen for the life of your soul For the life of your soul is at stake. I'm ready to make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the mercies and unfailing love that I promised David. He displayed my power by being my witness and a leader among the nations. You also will command the nations and they will come running to obey because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. God's like, I know that you're thirsty, but the way that you go about getting or satisfying or satiating your thirst is not my way. God offers living water, and it's free. And he's making an everlasting covenant so that we may live and not die. And so there's this invitation by God, come. Come and drink. Come be a part of the royal family of God and be a part of the mission that I've made you for. And then there's this second invitation, verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can still find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, Turn to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This other invitation is to seek, to lean in, to pursue, to run after the Lord while you can still find him. Isaiah is recognizing that with God, there's moments of grace with God and for God throughout life, and we never know when we might get another opportunity, but when we feel the Prompting or the urging of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah's is like, man, seize that moment. Seize it. Don't wait for another day. Seize it. Let the wicked forsake their way. Man, when I think about all the things that I've done that were on my own, that just was kind of feeding, none of it led to greater life. It actually led to more depression, more insecurity more of not really knowing who I really am. We get lost, again, like sheep. But he will abundantly pardon all who come to him. God will have mercy on you. And then God says this. Seems like a pivot, but it's not. And then he kind of declares this truth. He says, my ways are completely different from yours, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Wow, just so clear. It just puts us on completely different footing. We assume, because we like to be God ourselves, we assume that we kind of like have it. We got it down. But God is saying, no, no, no. The ways that you were raised up in by your own human broken flesh and the ways of this fallen evil world system have combined to be forces working against you. And it's like, man, what are our thoughts? What are our thoughts like? Well, our thoughts are usually sound like this. Hedge your bets. Don't be fully in. Play it safe. Be practical. It's not, not that big of a deal. You can keep this and Jesus. Or uh, how about this? I'll make up my own truth and pretend all is well. Yeah. Or I'll do this later. Anything but die. We'll try everything else. That's actually what the gospel message is. Jesus showed us the pathway to resurrection life, and it's through the cross. It's through the death. If we want his resurrection life, we have to die. And there's this beautiful exchange that doesn't make sense as we bring our broken, kind of hampered up, stanky lives up to this rugged cross, and in exchange, God gives us the life that Jesus walked in, this resurrection life. It's an equation that literally doesn't make sense. Like, why would God choose to do this? It's because he loves you. And not in the kind of ooey gooey, I'll just kind of tolerate whatever sin and just kind of still bless you. No, the kind of love that actually gets in there to say I see the gold and the greatness that I've put inside of you and we're gonna clear out all the other stuff that's getting in the way of you being who I made you to be. But it takes a death. And that's why the cross confounds the world. The world. Yahweh coming as a suffering servant to live faithful to God's covenant as Israel could never and to be a blood sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was beaten and bloodied, whipped, spit on, excruciatingly crucified, all to make a new covenant with his creation so that we can be restored back to Yahweh himself. Not through the temple or not through a priest or a rabbi, all who are made in the in God's image can come. Yet there's a radical repentance required, a repentance of thought and mind, a repentance of values and opinions, a, a repentance of lifestyle and the fu- and the, the vision of your future. All has to be surrendered at the foot of Him, and out of our close relationship with Him, we begin to think how He thinks. We begin to walk in his ways that are diametrically opposed to this fallen evil world system and all the ideologies it perpetuates. They're diametrically opposed. You cannot make friends with it. I'm sorry. So this is an invitation to a family feast where God bids all who come to die to yourself and your ways so that you may live in him. So the question is, have you responded to God's invitation with your whole life? Because we kind of like to a la carte, God. Right? Man, favorite Mexican food place? Man, to a la carte, sometimes that's the best deal, right? We like to a la carte, Man, you get free chips and salsa, and then a la carte, of burrito, you can get out the door with a tip, five bucks. <laughs> we love to a la carte. We love to a la carte life. And it seems like this kind of like life is being served up to be that way. Live your kind of a la carte life. Kind of pick and choose what you want. And yet there's, there's the eternal God that says, no, 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 you were born into a spiritual war And the prince of this world is trying with everything that he has at his disposal to deceive God's people to pursue his ways instead of Yahweh's ways. (laughs) Had to catch that one. All right, check this. Jesus came not only to redeem people from the bondage of their sin and brokenness, but to begin God's new Project, Operation Kingdom of God. Not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. We've seen how the world colonizes through its fallen evil world systems, through force, coercion, manipulation, fear, and even death. That's the ways of the world And yet Jesus birthed a new kind of kingdom with the value system of heaven and charges us to walk in this life with him out in the world, not to hunker down, but to be out in the world as salt and light sowing God's new kingdom to people. After all, is this not what the Lord's prayer is all about? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Provide for us. Forgive us, Lord. Deliver us and keep us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and dominion and glory forever and ever. His people have been commissioned and give authority by this king of kings to represent Yahweh to the world. But Yet God wants a resurrected people to represent him to follow a resurrected king, but since death is a prerequisite to, re- to resurrection in order for you to live in resurrection life that you were made for, there needs to be a death, ours, our death. For that is the pathway of resurrection life, giving up your life to save it and fill it with God's abundant life. Mm. You've been made for his resurrection life. You've been made for it. And our heart just kind of like seeks. We know something's off. We know something's kind of broken. We know something's not really whole, not only with us, but kind of with the world. And so we kind of go around trying to seek different ways to make us feel better and maybe for the world to get better. But sometimes in order for us to feel like we're helping the world, we kind of have to Get our situation straight. But you've been made to lay your life down for others. You've been made to serve them like you like to be served. You've been made to love the way God loves. Again, not a squishy kind of love, but an admonishing, encouraging love to be defined by him, to draw on his strength whenever you need it, to get counsel and direction from the king of kings that made everything. And you think you're smarter than him? Come on, y'all. Come on. You're not. And he's got plans to prosper you, plans for life and godliness. Sometimes we think, man, when we get closer to Yahweh, it's limiting. It's like, no, your flesh needs limiting. All the stuff that's holding you back needs limiting. But there's some things in there that God wants to pull out. So grateful, so grateful that we have a God that promised this so many hundred years ago and then followed it and executed it to a T, that God is a covenant-keeping, promise-making God, and he still is today. We'll end with this. Hebrews 13 says this. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus... That great shepherd of the sheep, that's us. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, Father. Lord, there's many of us here that, Lord, when asked, God, have we given our whole life over? God, we know that the answer is no. We know that we've been hedging our bets. We've been kind of playing it safe. And God, we've just been kind of like running away from the very thing that we need to do, which is die. Just, God, I give you my whole life. All the pieces all the good parts and the bad parts, God, I die to myself and to my own plans and my own ways, and I leave it at your feet. Father, I wanna know you, I wanna walk with you. I don't wanna just know about you. I know a lot of Christians that say a lot of things about you, but I can tell they don't really know you. Father, I pray that we would be those people that actually walk with you, that love being around you, God. Father, it takes this exchange of dying to ourselves and coming alive in you. So, Father, if it's for us, for the very first time, God, have your way right now in Jesus' name. God, we repent of how we've lived our life thus far. and We turn it over into your hands to say, God, I want you to have your way in my life. I want you to be Lord and leader, and I give my allegiance to you. Father, maybe there's some of us that, God, we walk with you, and we know you, but God, there, we know that there's maybe some things that are creating some death in our life that, Lord, we know that you're putting your finger on, that God, you don't want us to walk into the next season with this hanging on us, the burden, the shackles, the chains, Whatever it may be, God, it could be a a heart motive, a vision of the future that, God, we're hanging so tight on. Father, maybe it's time to relinquish that. Father, it might be a, a relationship, Father, that maybe is just getting in the way. Or, Father, it may be a habit in our life that, God, we know, oh, that's not how a son or daughter lives, of the living God. That's not resurrection life. Father, I repent of giving into to that, of agreeing to that. Father, I turn that over to you. I die to it today, in Jesus' name. Father, put your resurrection life in those areas that we've been, God, just feeding off of death. Father, we thank you for this beautiful exchange that you came and died for us that we may live in your resurrection life Lord we thank you for the mighty name of Jesus Yeshua Yamashia Lord we thank you God for your name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord when they see you father we pray that Uh, God, this next season would be a unique season in our life of being close to you, of relying on you in ways that maybe we never before. May we walk with you. Finish our faith, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.